you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. Just a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. And, Buck, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. <laughs> a lot of ground to cover. Um, Said with a chuckle. This 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 could be fun. It's a sil- fun. Is, it, is it really the silly season, isn't it? It, it, it is so crazy because uh, we talked about it before going live. It's just ridiculous how <laughs> people overthink the process. And I think, really, the process should be really, really simple. It should be as simple as if we were playing – a game at the Turkey Bowl. And yep. We just were at the park, and I had first pick, and we just go down. I got Johnny, you got Sam, I got Bobby. Let's you go. got like it. It really should be as simple as that. But because there's so much time, and I've always believed because there's so much time from the end of the regular season to the draft, that guys who don't know what they're doing will mess it up. <laughs> and I think we're in danger of seeing might happen the craziest draft that we've ever experienced. Like in terms of. Who goes where, how it goes, the trade, the activity, um, and then you throw in the quarterbacks. It might be a bananas night. Yeah, and this is uh, – we'll kind of get to what we're talking about here. We're dancing around it right now. We'll jump into that about this top five, what could potentially happen here uh, in the top five of this draft. And then uh, and then we're going to actually give equal time because I feel like people say, oh, you just talk about those top picks and the top quarterbacks. So we're going to go through the final five picks of the first round and give those a full workup there. That's uh, 28 Steelers, 29 Jags, 30 uh, Vikings, 31 Patriots, 32 Eagles. So we'll break down the, the top five. We'll go to the bottom five. We'll get to a little linebacker breakdown uh, in this class. Some interesting guys, not just at the top of the draft, but kind of sprinkled throughout. So we'll touch on some of those guys. Uh, and then we've got an interview with one of uh, one of my favorite guys in the draft, Jesse Bates, a safety from uh, from Wake, your favorite school, Wake Forest, Buck. Uh, you know, it was a backup. It was a backup to North Carolina for me. So was I, it number two? Did it finish number two? It was number two. Yeah, it was number two for me. It was a good school. Beautiful campus. Very good school. Very good school. Um, but they're fake. Wake is fake. Uh, I don't know about all that. Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just a good school. They yeah. wore black. They had nice uniforms. Demon small. Dinks. Yeah, yeah, but Jesse Bates got a baseball background. Interesting story, so we'll hear from him a little bit later on in the show. But I want to start here at the top, Buck, because we both – look, 
take pride. We take pride in our, you know, your evaluation. That's what we think of players, and that's easy to defend, right? This is uh, this is what I think of him. Now, here's why. Here's why I like him over this guy. That, that's easy. That's the easy part of this thing. Yep. The other part of it is trying to sort out what could happen and what will happen. It's almost like you're playing the role of insider to a degree. And uh, I've had, gosh, over the weekend, Buck, three or four different conversations with people around the league. Nobody from Cleveland, so I want to get that out on, on record. I haven't talked to anybody in Cleveland, nobody in the room there. Um, but people around the league really starting to believe, for whatever reasons, mm-hmm. that Josh Allen will end up overtaking Sam Darnold. Josh Allen could be the first pick here for the Browns. So this is something that's been out there. I'm just hearing it a lot more, so it's – there's got to be something there. Where there's Everybody smoke, be talking about it this where way. there's smoke, there's fire. And I think we've been in the business long enough to know that uh, when you start hearing it, you need to start believing it. Because we've seen in the last couple of years that when people start talking about prospects buzzing up or bubbling up right before the draft, it ends up happening. Uh, we saw that with Blake Bortles. We saw that with some of the other quarterbacks that have gone. Uh, Pat Mahomes was a guy that certainly yeah. uh, rose up the charge. We were here, hey, Pat Mahomes may be a tough. You're like, man, Pat Mahomes. Like, I don't know if I even see him as a first-round pick, but, he, hey, I'm here. I mean, he may – no way. Yeah. And then the draft comes. Oh, yes way. That's 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 Real what happens. Well. Yeah. Mr. Trubisky, he's going to be the first quarterback. Man, like he doesn't have any pelts on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, people like him. He has this, he has that. And before you know it, it happens. So when you start to, to look at the situation, and, and basically I think the situation, Josh Allen in Cleveland, I think what we have to do is we have to check the record of the general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, past performance, biggest predictor of future so I, I guess it, it's crazy. So anyway, I'm looking at John Dorsey. Yep. And John Dorsey in his history, when he was at Green Bay, Brett Favre was a quarterback. Brett Favre, big, strong arm Thor, big arm, could do ridiculous stuff, impromptu, make it happen. His most recent selection at quarterback, Pat Mahomes. Big arm, plays on the move, off the script, can make ridiculous throws, can make it happen. Last summer when I looked at this quarterback class and compared to the class of 2017, I said, look, these guys are very, very similar to me in terms of all the pieces. And the parallel that I made, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen are basically the same prospect. But I would give Pat Mahomes better track record and resume just on he did more stuff, was far more productive. Offense was different, but whatever. But in terms of what you would like to have from a physical standpoint, both of those guys are big, they're athletic, they can throw it. They can make it happen off the cuff. Has some issues a little bit with their accuracy, but you're enamored and wild by what they could be if you could harness them. So when you look at John Dorsey and you check Brett Favre, Pat Mahomes, uh, Tyler Bray. I mean, uh, help me out. Tyler Bray has a big arm at Tennessee. Yeah, Tyler Bray had a yeah. cannon. Had a cannon? Yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, all right. Well, if we just kind of check in boxes. Big hands, big arm. John Dorsey appears to like those guys. So – Maybe it's just a situation where he has a type. When he goes to the club, he has a certain type that he likes to saddle <laughs> up with. So he likes the big athletic type. So that might just be his type. Yeah, and this is something, you know, it's a theory we've kicked around here, Buck. And I don't think it's just quarterbacks. Like, go back to, uh, I believe it was his first draft, right, was Joe and Fisher. And Eric Fisher, oh, yeah. smaller school, but, you know, better athlete, bigger upside. So it ended up, and that ended up being the right pick. But, um, you know, that Fisher's been great. That draft was terrible in 2013. But a better player than Jokel. But, that, again, it's, it's what can you be versus what you are. So, go with Eric Fisher. 
They take D Ford the next year. D Ford, you know, was, raw was but it? explosive. Yep. He had a great senior bowl. I think he had like three sacks in the senior bowl mm-hmm. game. But but very explosive. Marcus Peters has some some character stuff. People were concerned about, but nobody would would the uh, argue the upside. Yes. Of what yeah. Because between he and uh, who was who was a kid from uh, Michigan State? Oh, Warner. Darquez Denard. Darquez Denard, or uh, is that who it was? Let me go back to this draft here. I'll pull it up right now. So they took at uh, Marcus Peters at 18, and just after that, the other corners that went. Minnesota. Yeah, Byron Jones that went. Yeah, Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes. That's yeah, it, Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes. There you go. Trey yeah, Waynes. Trey Waynes went ahead of him, went at 11. Yeah. But but nonetheless, that was a high – a little bit of risk there with Marcus Peters. Not not They're not risk-averse. Go, go with the upside pick. And then, obviously, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes uh, as well. So right there, the track record, the most recent history – when he's been in the GM seat, yep. it has been all upside and also prototypical traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Peters, size, length, he was over, like six foot, long, yep. long arms, could make plays, all that other stuff. You talk about uh, Fisher and some of those other guys. It's all prototypes. So if you're looking at him, it's prototypical stuff with big projection in terms of what the potential could be. And so if we're doing that, but even in that, what's crazy about it, <laughs> like even if you're trying to justify this pick, Sam Darnold could be mm-hmm. down the line. Sam Darnold's athletic. Sam Darnold makes plays. Sam Darnold has played on the big stage and done things that are off the cuff that you could say are Brett Favre-like. Sam Darnold has done it on a bigger stage against bigger competition. We have a resume full of notable moments, Rose Bowl, Texas, Washington, other games Utah. like 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 we've seen him take down opponents. My biggest contention with Josh Allen has been, give me the signature game. Mm-hmm. What is the signature game that warrants him being number one? Yes, we can string together a highlight tape. Like if this was in the office and we say, hey, give me a no 20, cut up, a, a twenty play cut up tape, great. But give me the game that slam dunks it. So then people say, oh, well, you know, Central Michigan, great. 160 yards against Central Michigan. I would expect him to do that if he's a top level. If he's a first-round pick, he should be able to dominate to that level. Oh, with the senior bowl, the second half of the senior bowl, great. Controlled environment. You know exactly what the coverage is going to be. Hey, it's going to be covered two, covered three, covered one. I went back and watched that again, by the way. the, uh, the I believe both touchdowns were on wheels. A little pick, little pick in a wheel. Yep. Got him. Nice throws. Good nice. throws. Great. Yeah. But but those are our games. Yeah. So that's what everyone is down on the hill on. Josh Allen was great versus Central Michigan. <laughs> he was great in the Senior Bowl. I would just like to think with everyone else, we hold him to such a high standard mm-hmm. that he is the only one that benefits from it. I mean, think about all the stuff that we talked about years ago. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, how we crushed him. Oh, yeah. Last year, what we did with Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. and that crew of quarterbacks. Josh Allen – is gonna skate. He's gonna skate to the title, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, look. I just think I get upside and all that. I just think of where Cleveland's been at that position for so long, taking chances. And this could it look three years from now. Maybe it has a huge payoff, but it's a risk. And you just have have when you have so many errors at that position. I know it's different regimes, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you just want to? Hey, let's just. Just park it down the fairway. Kid, don't overthink it. The kid's 20 years old. He can make every throw. He throws with timing, anticipation. He's a good athlete. Um, the character, all that stuff's off the charts, which it is for, for Josh Allen as well. But I, I just 
When I just is know it? what I'm buying. I know what I'm buying with Sam Darnold. Okay, so here's funny. So I'm coming off of camp this weekend. Just spent the weekend. Uh, spent Sunday in New York at a New York Jets camp. A New York Jets, we're doing the Elite 11 opening camp. All the high school recruiter analysts are there, whatever. So here's what I'll say about Josh Allen, like in today's thing. Mm-hmm. When have we ever seen a prospect that was unknown throughout the process become the number one quarterback in the game? Think about the internet, the recruiting analysts. Yeah, I mean, the, Carson the, Wentz is the, the argument. A, a little bit, but he, here's the thing about Carson Wentz, what we can argue about. Carson Wentz broke his – he had an injury yeah. in high school that prevented him from going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz was also in South Dakota. Yeah. Like, look, Josh Allen's in California. Like, we can say yeah, he's town, in, he's in yeah, Fireball, but yeah. he's in California. Southern California is a hotbed for quarterback play. Yep. You show up at certain places – he then goes to a JUCO. JUCO completes less than 50% of his passes, has one offer in JUCO, goes to Wyoming, or whatever. At no time has he ever been viewed as a high-level prospect. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I got the alarm. Threw the alarm wow. on you. Wow. And, and so for me, you would just like to think, if we went back and checked all of these dudes, how many guys have gone through that? The only one that I can – Think close. Aaron to that. Rodgers, you know, haven't gone through the JUCO, but that's a, a while bit, back but, now. But, but even then, with Aaron Rodgers, like he's he at was, Cal, he dominated at Cal. Like yeah. he was a dominant player. Twenty to twenty-two against USC that yeah. year. I mean, he he was awesome at Cal. Like so, I just feel like this is a true projection. Even with Blake Borders, so let, let's just say Blake Borders. Blake Borders was his conference player of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I wasn't a Blake Borders fan. I didn't yeah. have him as the number one. But at least there were games where I was like, okay, like he did have great games. Played in BCS game. Played in BCS game. Like, man, I don't have any of that with Josh Allen. Like, it is, it is unbelievable to think about that. And I understand we can talk about the trace and all that other stuff, but at some point you have to be able to play. And then the other thing would be when is a situation where we've taken a pure projection like this, when has it worked out, mm-hmm. especially at quarterback? Of all the projects and things that we've talked about and seen, when has it ever worked out for a quarterback? Like, yeah, I think it's just I think you're you're saying Mahomes is your TBD and and he has one game. I, trust me, I, trust he, me. He has, he's he, been put in the Hall of Fame by everybody has, on Twitter. He has he has one game. <laughs> he has one game. Yep. Well, let's let's flesh it out here real quick here. So let's just say this happens. Let's do it. So, so we have a mini, yeah, quick, a quick mock draft. Quick mock. Quick, quick mock. Quick mock draft. So if Cleveland goes Josh Allen at one. That leaves the Giants, which I, again, assume that they would just turn in the card on Sam Donald because they got Eli at 37 years old. But as we were talking about before we went on air, there's a comfort level with Eli and an expectation that he's going to play at a very high level forever. You heard the Giants fans. You heard them last year when they tried to take him. So now we're going to bring in another quarterback? Oh, no, the Giants fans are not going for that. So Eli – Put Eli in. in, in so pen. Eli, yes. this is this is what Eli's doing. He starts whining and crying. <laughs> oh, you saved my life. <laughs> That's so bad. So bad. All right. So they don't. So let's say they don't take one. Right. So they take Chubb. Right. Safe. That's their safe. Get a big guy. We're talking about that for a while. So now you get to the Jets. The Jets have Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield all staring at him. I mean, I I would think they would take Darnold, don't they? 
I mean, there's a you can map out a scenario where you could say, man, Darnold could end up dropping down a little bit. Yes. This, I mean, this. This is why the draft is so much fun. This, but let's let's uh, let's put him in here. Let's just put Darnold in here at three. Then we get to Cleveland, who's not obviously taking a quarterback because they already took one. Everything that I keep hearing is that 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 goes back all full circle. They would be Barkley. You hearing that same thing there? Saquon Barkley at four. I, I, I mean, Chubb's gone. Yeah, so Chubb is gone. So it has to be Saquon Barkley. Because who else do you take? I don't think it's one. Take of the a DBs. lineman there. Yeah. Not taking the lineman. So then we get to now we get to the, to the fifth pick with Denver, and there's only two quarterbacks off the board. So we've been talking about three of the top four being quarterbacks forever, and now you're in a situation where you only have Allen and Darnold gone. So Denver is sitting there with. With Mayfield and Rosen, I think Rosen, Rosen goes. You think Rosen goes? There? I think Ray, I think Rosen would go, and this is why. I think John Elway could see, or maybe relate to, Josh Rosen. Okay. I think he could see like, oh, okay, this is a guy that was like Southern California kid, five star guy. He's mm-hmm. had all this. I think he would be one that could relate to Josh Rosen at five, and also the guy who I think they would really love to take at that point, Bradley Chubb, is gone. Yeah. I think Ward would be in the mix. He could be. Th- God, that would be a tough one. But See, because so because they, be because if, if they could get Ward, man, gosh, it then comes down to a Josh Rosen versus Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick discussion, yeah. or, or Baker Mayfield put make those like quarterback or position player. So then we get to now we only said top five. But let's go to six then because this scenario is kind of interesting. So now you get to Indy at six. I think at this point in time, with Mayfield still there, I mean, the Dolphins have been long associated with Baker Mayfield. I don't know where the Bills are because everything you heard with the Bills was all about Josh Allen. I don't know where they stand there. I mean, they're, they're pretty pot committed. I don't know if they want to go in on Mayfield, but I would think there'd be somebody that would come up from Mayfield to the sixth pick. Would you agree with that? If he doesn't go there, I think he just falls in the Dolphins' lap at eleven. I think that I think that very well may happen. I don't. So then, let's just say Indy sticks and picks. I, you know, I know we've talked about them taking a lineman for a while. Um, latest I had heard on that. Again, this is all stuff from just talking to people around the league. It's not from inside these rooms. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but I was told Indy. I would not sleep on them if Chubb was gone. Ward be a good option for them. Very good, good player. Pair him with his old teammate there. Um, with Hooker, with Malik Hooker, uh, Ward would be an option. I was also told to keep an eye on some linebackers there because you got uh, you got Edmonds and you got Roquan Smith to kind of be the catalyst for that defense. But they need they need rush so bad it'd be hard for them to take an off the ball linebacker. Let's just give them let's give them Ward. And then uh, we got Tampa seven. Does Tampa take it? I mean, do they take a guard at seven or do they take? Uh, the other name you keep hearing with Tampa is uh, is Derwin. Derwin James. Um, man. And in that scenario, you know who's sliding? Minka. Minka's sliding in Mayfield. Wow. So, anyways, that's a, that's that's seven picks there. So, it, 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 there's a chance when you uh, when you get through this here that we have Mayfield still out there, Minka Fitzpatrick still out there, and we also have. Uh, who I have as a third player in the draft. You got Quentin Nelson still out there. But the Bears, the Bears would be coming the bear, on the clock. The Bears would. They're in, they're oh, that'd be quick. Shape. That'd be quick. Oh, let's. Yeah, man. Because then you get the guard. That's 
all the rebuilding that they wanted to do in the offseason. Yep. Retool the offensive line. They got the wide receivers. They already had the running backs. The quarterback feels very, very comfortable. So Nelson goes there. Now you get to the Bay Area teams with uh, with some pretty good options there. And then, again, in this scenario, the way we're looking at this now, and this is all uh, – this is just fun to, to kick around, but in this scenario, Mayfield, I think, falls right to the 11, and I would think the Dolphins would, would take him. Would you not see a team – quarterback needy team wanting to try to get in ahead of the Dolphins that's right the only there? thing that I don't know is I don't know where Arizona is right. there um, I would think Baltimore would be one to keep an eye on is, is a sneaky possibility to sneak up there and, and get him um, you see a run of quarterbacks I, you'd think that's be that but the thing is off. it all comes down to which one's left right and then where teams are on the one that's left but that's an interesting scenario there I said we're just going to mess around with the top five we actually got to eight there um, let's get to these uh, these bottom five teams here, Buck, just to throw out some names real quick. Steelers at 28. I wrote down Lamar Jackson. I I actually kind of like the idea of them taking Lamar Jackson. I think I, it's, at I that do. point in the draft, I think it's good value. You get the five years uh, to be able to let him develop. And I know we haven't seen you know packaged players. You probably have to go back to Cordell, really. Uh, same team, C slash. The guy's getting a little bit of package. But I do think while he's while you're still learning and growing on the sideline, I do think you can get him on the field a little bit and maybe a couple plays here and there. But you can take advantage of that uh, you know electric athleticism he has and also kind of preserve Ben a little bit uh, if you did that. And then you got the long term payoff when uh, when Ben walks away. I think so, and I think because they have a history of being able to have these kind of players. Like if you go all Randall the way back. L. Antoine Randall, you know, Heinz Ward was a former quarterback. Uh, Cordell Stewart, um, the list goes on and on. Mike Tomlin, as a defensive coach, understands the challenges that Lamar Jackson would bring to an opposing defense. Um, I think they have the right situation in terms of the weapons around him would certainly help him down the line. Antonio Brown, have Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster. They have a lot of that. And then the running game, like be it Le'Veon Bell or whoever remains the running back, if it's Le'Veon, if it's someone else, he has a lot around him where he wouldn't have to be the one-man show. And if you really think about it, if we think about it from almost like a video game perspective, how would you deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? With Lamar Jackson in at quarterback and all those weapons around him, yep. Antonio Brown or whatever, you're talking about having open open lanes, oh yeah, light boxes, like, there's a lot of stuff that could certainly help Lamar Jackson thrive in Pittsburgh. And without having to put him on the field, like, I just think it's a great situation. It would be a great situation for him. It would be a fun one. 29, the Jags. I think wide receivers more and more uh, a possibility there. I actually wrote down DJ Chark. We haven't talked about DJ Chark with them. Uh, you talk about somebody with the speed. You want somebody to be able to, to pay off all the running they do, to be able to pay that off down the field. And I think you can make a strong case. Uh, DJ Chark does that better than anybody in this draft. Just just get vertical, track the football, and then he also has some return value as well. Speed receiver. Um, that's the one thing that they don't – I mean, you can say like D.D. Westbrook. I think D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark have different skill sets. I think D.D. Westbrook can be a, a true route runner. Mm-hmm. I think D.J. Chark could be a – luxury item in terms of a guy that can really take the top off the coverage can really benefit from those full flow play actions i think he could um win against one-on-one coverage on the outside and kind of give them a a dynamic dimension the one thing with jacksonville i think it has to be a pass catcher in some capacity i do wonder with mercedes lewis going out would that be the place where you slot in a dynamic tight end like an athletic tight end to go with asj Give, give them something else because when you look at the skill set of the quarterback, is the quarterback a real – is he a, is he a great deep ball thrower? Can you really maximize mm-hmm. that part? of Or do you need to think about expanding the strike zone to kind of make up for maybe some of his accuracy woes? 
Yeah. No, it's interesting. Interesting uh, decision there facing the Jags 29. 30 Vikings. I wrote down Taven Bryan. We've been talking about interior offensive linemen for them for a long time. I think yes. getting an interior defensive lineman uh, wouldn't shock me either. And Taven Bryant, kind of a bull in a china shop coming out of Florida. Extremely explosive. Struggles to find the football, though, on, on occasion. So that's uh, that's his issue. But, man, you've got a, a staff there in Minnesota with a great track record of taking guys with these raw tools and, and making them into big-time players. They do a great job of loading up. And now what's, what the Vikings have to do when they're looking at the draft they have to begin to load up with a heavy quarterback payday in mind. Now that Kirk Cousins is on your squad and you know how much he's um, allotted on the salary cap, you have to figure out how to build the rest of your team with that in mind. You have some decisions to make on some players that are coming up. You have Anthony Bard is coming up, some of those other young players, uh, Stefan Dick coming up. What is your plan? Do you pay those guys or are you looking to move on? So that certainly would do it. Having – Taven Bryan would, would be a good pick because they have Sheldon Richardson on a one-year deal. It would be interesting to see how he plays. Does he play so well that they say, hey, we'll keep Sheldon Richardson and let one of the other guys who have been a nucleus guy yeah. depart? Yeah, it's interesting. There's building depth in that front. I mean, I think we've seen that recent trend. You can't have too many. Never can have too many. Keep them rolling. Keep them rolling through there. By the way, I feel like we've buried the lead here, Buck. Uh, give me an evaluation on the new haircut today. I got one Nice of haircut. High DJ, and tight, huh? DJ has a nice haircut. It, look, it took, some, took, took some years off. Yeah. It, like now it's nice, nice. low. Got a little boy look. Military cut. You got to get little, ready for the draft. Got a little boy look. Yeah, yeah that's right. Boy. I always say a couple weeks out of a big big day. Oh, you got to go strong. You go strong. Keep it tight because if, if it – Grows out a little weird. You can yeah. You, you can got a little clean. It it. You got an opportunity to clean it up. Yeah. You got you got a little opportunity. You got a window. It's all timing. It's yeah. all timing there. Uh, Patriots at thirty one. I wrote down Isaiah Oliver. Um, just you know, big, smart, tough corner coming out of Colorado. Just kind of there's guys that feel like Patriots. He feels like a Patriot to me. Can never go wrong. They want to have guys that are smart, tough, physical guys that can do a lot. And they play a lot of man to man. So you think about his ability to put his hands on people and reroute. Um, he would appear to fit there. The thing about the Patriots, like, it's funny, man. They have not had good luck drafting corners. No. Uh, especially in the first round up high. They, they have not done it. So, we'll we'll see. They they typically do a better job with older guys, pro guys, guys they've seen on tape. They have a better feel for what their skills would be. But it would be a nice pick for them. I think it would be a nice fit. Then we get to 32, the Philadelphia Eagles. Buck, their roster's in pretty good shape. I think they're they're in a good spot to just sit and pick and, and get the best available player. Uh, in this scenario, I just wrote down Sony Michelle. I, I think, you know, I love uh, – um, you know, I've been a, a big Corey Clement fan from jump. I think he's a really, really good player. But they proved last year the committee was a way to go and worked wonders for him. I think he'd be an outstanding fit. I think he, he's more talented than anybody they have on their roster, and that includes JHI and Corey Clement. Oh, for sure. Just talking about, a, talking about an upgrade. And I like their running backs, and I like what they do. And they want to be able to run the ball. And it's very, very important that they have a strong running game in place, not only for Carson Wentz, who's trying to find his way coming back off an injury, but also if Nick Foles has to play an extended period, if there was a, a setback in rehab or anything, you want to make sure that a supporting cast is good enough mm-hmm. to alleviate some of the pressure on them. So, yeah, you can't go wrong with that kind of pick. So there you have it. There's the, the bottom five, not just talking about the top five here. Real quick, go through this linebacker group. Uh, finish them up over the weekend, Buck. The, the top tier guys we know uh, we know plenty about. We've talked about them. Uh, talked about them a bunch on Path to the Draft this year. It's a sexy group with Tremaine Edmonds, Roquan Smith, Rashawn Evans, Leighton Vander Esch. I think those are kind of those four top guys. I, I agree. I think I think those guys are. I think the, the, the interesting thing when it comes to like breaking them off, Edmonds and Vander Esch, um, kind of these unique 
hybrid players. And I had a great conversation. In fact, I, t- I talked to Jeremiah Trotter yeah. over over the weekend because I asked That's him a about – big linebacker. Big linebacker. I asked him about the challenges of going from outside to inside, like how that plays. And he says a lot of time when you're in college, you kind of put your best guys on the outside so they can rush the pass. And then when you come inside, um, it's a little different because you're dealing with bodies. He said, but – in today's game, like guys aren't asking linebackers to play with their on. hands. They're not taking on blocks. Uh, they're covered up to D tackles and they're occupying blocks so you can run and chase. And so he says, if you can move your best athlete inside, it allows you to do a bunch of different things, especially if he can blitz and cover. And so it was very, very insightful to hear that. And so when I look at Edmonds and Vander Esch, both of these guys could end up being stars because their unique skills and their athleticism could allow a defense coordinator to do a bunch of different things. And, you know, it's funny in in talking to Jeremiah and also Keith Bullock, who who was there, we talked about all those guys. He said, look, remember Brian Urlacher was a safety Mm -hmm. in college that they kind of slotted in. He said, when you have guys with that kind of size and that kind of athleticism, you can kind of put them in a position to make a lot of plays. And so Vander Esch and Edmonds could be cornerstone defensive players for some team. Here's an interesting one for people to sort out. Uh, Harold Landry and Lorenzo Carter, both going to be used the same. I mean, it's 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 just an interesting comparison because you've got Harold Landry, who has a ton of production, especially two years ago, who's uh, 6'0", 2'3", 6'2", 252, ran 4'6", 4", um, but is a polished rusher. And then you have Lorenzo Carter from Georgia, who's two inches taller. He's almost 6'5", same, same weight, 250, um, and ran 4'5", flat. Mm-hmm. So you've got more size, more speed, less of a game plan really with Lorenzo Carter, more development needed where Harold Landry is more of a polished player. But I think that's an interesting discussion that takes place in the room when you're in there. These are the type of things that happen. It's the polished guy versus somebody that can uh, that can show you the athleticism that Carter has. That's an interesting debate because that's the conversation you'll have in the room. And just depending upon how people size it up because, man, you think like from a scout's standpoint typically scouts love the traits the athleticism but god why can't he just be a better player like coach you get it yeah. <laughs> work with him, teach him a couple skills he should be a much better his his ceiling is higher than this guy who yeah he may be skilled and he may be doing it in college but he doesn't have the athleticism yeah, how's that going to translate how's that going to translate or whatever and it's funny something that i learned from your former boss ozzy newsome he said like sack production typically translate particularly when it's done over an extended period of time mm-hmm. and so in that scenario I would have a tendency to lean a little more to skills, like guys who have proven skills. And it kind of reminds me, and I won't say that Harold Landry's in the Joey Bosa thing, but I do remember all the conversation that people had and worry about Joey Bosa. Oh, is he explosive enough? This and that. But no one could really debate his hand-to-hand combat skills and his wide array of moves that could get him to the quarterback. And so I just believe pass rushing as an art. I would have a tendency to lean towards the artist as opposed to the athlete in that scenario. No question. Um, then uh, a couple other guys I want to talk about here real quick. Darius Leonard, we talked about a bunch from South Carolina yes. State, is kind of our uh, undersized, explosive uh, player. And I actually, uh, Joel E.A. Beniwe, I'm oh, sure I screwed Ibe. that one up. I didn't have the yep. pronunciation from me. But uh, the Western Kentucky linebacker, both those guys, a little undersized, run and hit. Uh, good player, Shaquem Griffin. Um, you know, everybody knows his story. God, um, man, I had to. At the same conversation with Jeremiah Trotter. What the, the debate is, what do we do with him? Yeah. How do we play what with him? What did he say? Um, he was funny because he loved what he saw mm-hmm. on tape. He loved seeing the motor, um, the relentlessness, his ability to get to the quarterback. And then I, was, I asked him, I said, but, but what about the hand? How do you – and he's like, oh, you don't have to take on. So depending on what side you put him on, maybe put him outside and let him 
kind of do some of the stuff that JPP was able to do in terms of like when he's rushing and covering. But then he said in talking to all always, this is like second and third hand stuff, like talking to coaches in the league, he said, guys in the league have reservations. Like, man, how is he, how is he going to handle that? Like, yeah, I see it on tape in college, but how is he going to do it? And, and I think the sticking point with him is what is the plan? Where does he play? I've always believed that he would be a great special teams player, mm-hmm. great special teams player right at the gate. So I know I can get him a jersey on Sundays, get him active. He could eventually be our special teams leader. But in terms of getting him on the field in a role, I'm still trying to determine. what they, Look, I was in the building against Auburn. He was terrific. He was a monster coming off the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, it, I, I, maybe I need to see the apples to apples deal. I need to see him in preseason yeah. against some players just to see how he maneuvers around. But – there's certainly a place in the league, but I think it is. I think the opinions are going to be varied on him, based on how you project him to function and, and produce it within your own system. Couple more things we'll get to here, then we'll get to this uh, this interview with Jesse Bates here. Um, couple guys. Another interesting discussion: Malik Jefferson from Texas versus a guy like Josie Jewell from Iowa. I have the same grades on him. You couldn't be any more different as players. Malik Jefferson, six uh, two two thirty six, ran four five two. Josie Jewell, six one two thirty four, ran four eight two. But I'd argue Josie Jewell gets the football a lot faster than Malik Jefferson because he's got incredible instincts. Uh, so it's just a it's more of a a raw speed athlete in Malik Jefferson. Josie Jewell a little bit limited physically. You saw it in space against Saquon Barkley. Barkley killed him in that Penn State game. Uh, but very very instinctive. First, he's always uh, uh, a step ahead in terms of getting towards the football. So that's another discussion where it's just what do you want? And to me, some the answer might just be you just remove Malik Jefferson, you put him outside, you put him at will, let, let him get clear sight lines, let him run and hit. You know, it's funny because in in writing it down, um, Josie Jewell to me is a quote unquote football player. Great instincts, great awareness, going to have great production. But he needs to almost go to a team that is loaded up front so he can just play. He is not the star. He just kind of is active, runs around, and makes plays. Just a solid player. Kind of like a Joe Schobert, I think. I compared, him, I compared him to Borland. I said he's a poor man's Chris Borland. Oh, which is a great comparison. That one year Chris Borland played for San Francisco 49ers. He was very, very active mm-hmm. and disruptive on the inside. Malik Jefferson, I think the biggest challenge for him is he's a man without a position to me. I don't know what his natural position will be in the league. And so whoever takes him has to have a very, very clear plan to get him on the field and to put him in a situation where he can have some success. Mm-hmm. Is that as an outside player? Is that a will player? Is that as a, a blitzer in sub packages? Um, you have to be working in sync with the scouting department to make sure that that defensive coordinator can not only articulate his plan, but he can guarantee you, like, if we take him, you can put him on the field and he's going to play. Because I don't want this guy on Sundays to be on the side. And we've, we've wasted a pick that will probably be a top top 50 pick on yep. a player that has some talent. we got to figure out how to get it out of him. Uh, Kimoko Ture, edge rusher, we've talked about him a bunch on path to draft from Rutgers. I think he's in that second, third round range. Uh, six foot five, 250 pounds. He's, he's, or six, four and a half, 250. He's a really, really good player. Um, and then you've got some 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 guys down the line that have interesting stories. Jack Sitchie from Wisconsin, who's been hurt for the last year and a half, was ultra productive in 2015, 2016, early in the season there. Um, I think he's going to end up being a late-round pick just because of the durability. Sean Dion Hamilton from Alabama, a little bit undersized, but just kind of a little wrecking ball. He's a he's a fun player to watch. So overall, I think this linebacker group is, is really good. I think it's a good, solid group with uh, some stars at the top and a lot of depth, Buck. Yeah, I mean, I think – look, I think this draft – 
is really, really solid. I think the only thing that could throw it out of whack is the run on quarterbacks, which actually will help the teams that are outside of the top 10 because there's going to be some really, really good players that fall outside of it. Um, it's just a matter of where do these guys go. And as we started the show with, the top five shakeup is really going to be um, the domino setter because whatever happens at one and two is going to set the stage for the rest of the draft. And I think this is a challenge because in most drafts, you can have a strategy where you have two or three options of how you want to attack the draft. But I think everyone has to kind of keep an open mind and be wide open because I really believe it's going to be crazy on draft. It's going to be fun. It's I bet you the uh... – the the rating is going to be ridiculous for this draft. It's just going to be so much fun to watch how this all unfolds. We don't know where these quarterbacks are going. There's a million of them, and that sets the stage for the whole night. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun there in Dallas. All right, Buck, excited for this next guest here. Jesse Bates, safety from Wake Forest, joins us. One of the best pure free safeties in this year's draft class, and he's pulled off the side of the road to chat with us. Jesse, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Not much, man. Just uh, heading back to – uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Actually, I was in uh, Wake Forest for the little spring game, and I had a workout with the Panthers on Friday. So, uh, heading back home to just continue to work out and uh, prepare myself for my rookie season. So, how's that process been with the private workouts, pro days, and the like? How, how's it been trying to transition from performing at a combine and a pro day workout while also trying to get ready for a rookie season? Yeah, it's it's very different just because um, you're used to just being a part of a team. And right now uh, it tests you being a professional almost and uh, just, you know, keeping yourself accountable and uh, surrounding yourself with guys who actually care and uh, want you to get ready for your rookie season. So. One of the things I love about you is, is just the range you have in the back end. And then when I'm watching you, actually, first time I'm watching you, I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know anything about you. So I, I'm watching your tape, and I'm like, who the heck is this dude? You are flying all over the place. Incredible range, instincts, you see it, you go. And I'm texting with some different teams, and they were just kind of getting into the process. So we kind of feel like we, we discovered you at the same time with what you did there. But then we they were telling me about your baseball background. How, how does that help you on the field, being able to track the ball just with the baseball history? Yeah, I mean, I played baseball just as long as I've played um, football and basketball as well. So uh, it's the same thing. I mean, a, a bat off the ball and the same thing as a quarterback throwing the ball. So it's for me, uh, I think baseball have, has definitely helped me with my ball skills and just being able to, you know, track track the ball and just taking the right angles. And I think preparation uh, and just watching film and helps me with my instincts and stuff like that. So uh baseball have has been a big part of my success in football so it's funny one of my uh old defensive coordinators willie shaw used to always talk about planning in the back end still second uh you Mm -hmm. still you still bases off the pitcher not the catcher so when you're talking about (laughs) you know being able to make plays on the ball it's all about being able to get a read a jump on the quarterback so in saying that when you're going through your preparation process how much of film study um benefits you in terms of when you're playing out on the field because I've read stuff where you talked about the preparation part how much does film study play a part in your prep um I think it plays a huge part just because uh it gives you a a extra you know edge and it gives you leverage um when you're playing in the game it makes me play faster Uh, a lot of guys think I was going to run very slow but uh oh come on who thought that (laughs) I think I think a lot of people were predicting me to run uh slower but um, I think my film study makes me play uh, very fast and just being able to, you know, read the quarterback's eyes and um, also even the receivers as they uh, run their route. So. One of the things, though, when I, when I study and I, you're trying to find out what, what you do well and areas you can grow and improve in, 
that you had some missed tackles this year, going low, missed some mm-hmm. tackles in space. Uh, how do you address that issue, and how do you overcome that as you get to the next level? How do you get better in that spot? Um, I mean, it's gaining weight is part of it. And also, just for me, uh, I felt like this year I was a little hesitant. Um, that injury, I felt like, slowed me down a little bit. But uh, I know what I can do. And, um, I know I can tackle. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll continue to uh, work on that. So, When you look at the, the NFL game, are there a couple guys that you may pattern your game after? Um, for sure. Uh, Micah Hyde is a guy just because he's not the most talented or the most fast, the biggest guy. Uh, I think his preparation uh, leads to his success on uh, Sundays. And uh, I also like uh, Tyron Matthew just because his footwork and uh, his ball hawking ability is something that I model my game after. So a uh, combination of both of those guys are um, someone who I model my game after. So you be comfortable dropping down the slot, covering in the slot? Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, funnest things to do just because it, it's more intense uh, than being free and, you know, just being able to uh, help other guys. I feel like when you're locked on man-to-man, uh, it makes it a lot easier so you're not reading anything. You just have one job to do, and it's for your guy not to catch the ball. So Yeah, just watching your movement skills, very fluid, very easy. That's why, to me, I'm like, that's that's the value now. Have teams talked to you about that, that the ability to play high is also your ability to drop down and cover some in the slot? Yeah, a lot of teams, uh, they like me in the free safety spot, just being able to, you know, just because I think my range is a um, big part of my game. But also being able to, you know, step down the box at times and, you know, sticking my head in there and also guarding slots. So uh, I think I can do all, all three of them, and um, I look forward to, you know, proving them that I can do that. I think that self-evaluation makes sense because I can now see why you would like a guy like Micah Hyde because Micah Hyde mm-hmm. does have a lot of that versatility, being able to play outside and inside, playing in deep middle, making the transition exactly. from Green Bay to Buffalo. Um, one final question I have for you. Um, as you get closer to draft day and draft night, do you feel like there's a specific scheme that is best for your skill set? Um, like I said, I think I can do all of them, but, uh, I think that my strength is being free and being able to, you know, stay deep and just read, uh, the quarterback eyes. Obviously these quarterbacks in the NFL are 10 times better than the quarterbacks in uh, college, but, uh, I mean, they get paid to lie pretty much. (laughs) Um, for me, I just think just being able to be free and, um, you know, let loose and help out, help out guys as I'm in the middle of the field is a thing that um, I look forward to doing. Well, last question for me, because when I just finally put this together, I, I was trying to figure out why I liked you as much as I do, and it's not just because of your play on the field. Uh, you, you know where I was born? Buck, do you know where I was born? Bucky, you, you know no, I, don't, I, don't. I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, wow. No way. So that's Jesse's home. Now, hey, have you ever heard Have you ever heard of, uh, of Black Hawk? There's Black Hawk Christian – it's like Black Hawk Baptist Church, and there's a Black Hawk Christian school there? I went to Black Hawk Middle School. So my dad started those schools. My dad was the head no pastor way. there. My dad started the, the that whole oh. school program on a trailer, and they grew and grew and grew and grew with all these families. Rod Woodson actually went to, uh, I think, mm-hmm. elementary school or middle school there. So it's yeah, just one did. big Fort Wayne family well, see, here. You, you, probably wow. shouldn't have, you should probably shouldn't have taken that shot early, talking about App State over Wake Forest. I, well, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. We beat, I'm 2-0 against Wake in college. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but, no, the last thing was we used to go back in the summer – uh, well, even when I was in high school, we would go back, and I used to love going back there and playing basketball at the YMCA. A, do they still have mm-hmm. the YMCA? And B, have you ever hooped there? Um, 
I have boys who play D1 basketball, so yes, I consider myself as a hooper. And uh, <laughs> when there's uh, basketball sessions going on, I like to go there and uh, run around and, you know, um, just show them what I can do, that I'm still a hooper. So <laughs> There you go. See, there's a lot of love here. There's a lot, a lot of love. A lot of love. I've got to move you back up. I've got you in the 30s. I think i got to move you up even higher, Jesse. Hey, it's great to talk <laughs> to you, man. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on here. All right. Thanks for pulling over, too. We don't need you getting a ticket down there. Yep. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. All right. One of the best safeties in the draft, Jesse Bates, taking some time for us. Best of luck, man. We'll see you. I appreciate it. You guys take care. God bless. Well, there you have it, Buck. Jesse Bates, man, it's a, it's a really, really, really good player. I think when you stack him up in this group, I think you're looking at him. A chance to go late one, probably going to end up in that second-round range. Uh, but, no, it's uh, he's fun to watch when you study him. Fun to watch. Really good player. Plays over top. Does a great job coming out here making tackles. Has ball skills. Um, shows the benefit of finding a safety that has a multi-sport background, particularly with baseball. Really like him as a player. Leave, love him even more after talking to him. All right, well, that, there you have it. That was a busy day. Got a lot of fun getting into what we're hearing there at the top of the draft. Got to break down uh, what we think could happen at the bottom of the first round. Give you a look at that linebacker class as well as our chat there with uh, Mr. Bates. Uh, Buck, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Man, this is bananas. I just Buckle up. Just, Buckle up. It's, it's going to be crazy. Got a new haircut for the occasion. All right, that's going to do it for us here. Move the sticks. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.